Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin podcast. Today, inspired by the new year, the year of the dragon, Tracy and I are talking about some of our favorite Rand Althor chapters and moments. And this episode will be pretty heavy spoilers. So yes. if you... <laughs> haven't read the books the entire series be, yeah this might not be the episode for you but if you don't care about spoilers though stick around because it'll be fun there are some people that don't care and you know what i applaud them living life on the edge <laughs> i'm kind of one of those people where i'm like you know what just go ahead and tell me i want to know i want to be prepared like some things i'm like don't you dare but other things i'm like nah, go ahead i'm good I'm good. Nah, go ahead. Yeah. So let's let's start kicking things off here. And with many of our episodes, we like to talk about characters, but mm-hmm. we have not in our almost four years done <laughs> a Rand centric episode yet. Uh, or deliberate. Rand gets a lot of coverage. And I love that we so often focus on like some of the characters that don't get quite as much quote unquote screen time. So <laughs> Yeah. House yeah. Rand who? And I believe the chapter that you wanted to talk about comes mm-hmm. before mine. So mm-hmm. maybe we should start with yours. Yeah. Therefore we've got a little bit more of a chronological <laughs> order going on. Yes. And I feel like this one actually ties in really well with the chapter that you picked out. Okay. So I picked out chapter fifty three from Lord of Chaos, which I think is up there for like favorite books of mine as far as like the series is concerned. And part of it is this moment. The chapter title is Feast of Lights. So you don't necessarily like if it's your first time reading it, you're probably not thinking there's going to be torture somewhere along the lines in here. Like, but there is like. Is this the chapter? It's the parent chapter, right? It's actually, it goes back and forth. It, that's one of the things that I think is really cool about it, is we have Perrin, and then it's Galena, and then it's, no, then it's Rand, then it's Galena again, then it's Savannah. And so, yes, torture and orgies. This is the very definition of Wheel of Time. Thanks, Hal. <laughs> Or at the very least, a feast of lights. Like, oh my gosh. But this, like, one of the things about this chapter, because it it does go back and forth, you do see what has happened to Rand from so many different perspectives and why and what's happening. I think this is one of those places where it's like the dragon reborn, regardless of name, is like everyone's business. And... I love the political swirlings, the poisonings. That moment in Kyrie and so much happens. That moment with Sulin. Do you know which one I'm talking well, about? Talk about it. Because- yeah. It's the quote in here. I can't 
I can't read this without crying. Like every time I read it, I'm like, ugh. But it's when Bear Lane comes into Perrin's room and she's carrying Rand's sword and they're like, there's no way he would have left without his sword. And then they start making all of these connections that Rand's been captured. Like he's, he's not just on one of his like weird, I'm leaving and not telling anybody missions. He's captured. And this is while Sulin is still meeting her toe and she's wearing like the livery of the palace and whatnot. And so. Yes, I know exactly where this is going. Right. And so this is the moment all of the dots have connected and Sulin says they have taken him. Sulin wailed suddenly, shockingly, head thrown back, eyes squeezed shut. She moaned at the ceiling, and the sound of her voice was enough to make parents shiver. The ice and I have taken my first. Oh God, I'm doing it. I'm crying. I hate that. Um, <laughs> the ice and I have taken my first brother. Her cheeks glistened with tears, and I'm like, Oh my God, what a heart wrenching moment! And like you, you feel how like it's not just. It's not just his rank. It's not just the fact that he's the dragon reborn that makes us so terrible. It's this very personal connection that so many people have. Like, parents, like, even if I have to go alone, I'm getting Rand back. And Loyal's like, not alone, Perrin, never without me. Like, and of course, then he's embarrassed and it's adorable. And it's just like, oh, it just gets me. So would you say that you picked this chapter not just because it's a Rand-centric chapter, but because it really signifies how he's basically the connective tissue Yes, to all of these characters wrapped around his Taviran pole, I guess? Yeah. It just kind of everything branches out from him. Yes, exactly. Like, there's a moment where parents talking about, like, it's his internal monologue. And he's like, Sorolea is telling me to, like, keep my nose out of business that doesn't concern me. And I'm like, but when it comes to Rand, when it comes to the Dragon Reborn, it concerns everybody. And I feel like this chapter does such a good job of being like, these nobles wouldn't have been poisoned. Had Colavere not felt safe enough to make this step forward where she's like, I'm going to take the crown of Kyrian. <laughs> and they're like, there's no way she would have done that if she didn't think Rand was never going to come back. She's committed murder. And we know how Rand feels about that. So mm-hmm. this happens. And then Joe Brain comes in and he's like about... <laughs> <laughs> he is about to gag and tie up Sulin for like hearing what has happened until he realizes like he's not going to win this fight. She's actually a maiden of the spear. Like just all of these personalities. And then to get to the point in the camp where Rand has been imprisoned in a chest. Like this is that whole Rand imprisoned in a chest thing that pulls so hard and it's just like you want to know who like the not so great folks are they're the people who keep people in chest that's yeah. terrible but it's all to get him to Tarvalon. everything that's been done is another maneuver because he's the dragon reborn galena doesn't see him as human really he's a weapon he's a tool that she has to like mold <laughs> also known as beat into 
the person she wants him to be when they arrive. I'm so at the sorry. Tower. It sounds like there's gunshots going on. <laughs> it's okay. It's festive. It's festive. It's New Year's. But yeah, so it really does come down to like where Galena is. I don't. She's so cold and calculated the way that she goes through what she's doing. Like she always feels very even keel, and so her POV is. Like, I appreciate it. It's just another interesting point of view that we get in the story and, like, why she has him. And we know, like, because we've read the books, Galena's Black Aja. So once again, we have someone really important to the series, probably the most important person in the series, captured by the Black Aja again. Not Rand being captured, but just that they've managed to do that, like, the connections of the Black Tower inside, or not the Black Tower, the White Tower of the Black Aja is, I mean, if I were, if I were living in that world, I would find it like just soul crushing to know how many people in power were sworn to the dark, you know? Yeah. Honestly, that prologue in The Great Hunt does such a great way mm. of solidifying the fact that everywhere you look, Mm-hmm. Every echelon of power and nation and class, like there are dark friends everywhere. everywhere. And that's that should be frightening right? to the reader. Right. And I know for me, especially as I was going through, I got it when I read, you know, that prologue, but it wasn't until Lord of Chaos where I was really getting the sense of dread mm. where mm-hmm. we've got Mazram Taim who shows up and, you know, loose there and inside of Rand is just screaming, like mm. wailing. And then you have Davram Bashir who's like, no, absolutely not, Rand. No, do not align yourself with this man. And then on the other hand, we have Mo Gideon who's, quote unquote captured but she's Mogidian so it's like ah, and then you've got Elida over here doing Elida thing right and it all culminates basically with this chapter that yep. you're talking about yeah and one of the things that Galena mentions in the chapter and it, it points to that whole political that whole Black Aja influence where she's like Alviran has not been able to contain Elida's will and she's like they miscalculated like they thought Elida was going to be easier to control and Elida was like fuck that <laughs> wrong person to think you could like push her around and so she's not only eager to get back to the tower because she'll have the dragon reborn in tow and in the place where he can be most useful according to how they're thinking about things but she also wants to get a handle on Alvier and, and in return get a handle on Elida, who is the most powerful woman basically in the Westlands. So it's all about that climb to power and the dragon reborn like just sits right in the center of it. And then him like losing it when he realizes that Min's there and killing two warders. Do you find that believable? Like with his bare hands, do you find that believable? At this point in the story, yes. Okay. 
I mean, he's been hanging out with the Aiel for a while. I yeah. feel like at this point, he should know a few tricks. Oh, you know what? I kind of, to me, I'm like Rand the sword fighter. And somehow I'm just like completely blocking out all of the, like his insistence that if he was going to learn how to fight with a sword, he would learn how to fight with his hands the way the Aiel do. So that, yeah, okay, that feels far more believable. I mean, you hear about people, this is awful, but you hear about people, nights like tonight, New Year's, people are out drinking, getting in bar fights. How often does something like a simple bar fight end up Yeah, where someone gets hit hard, just, you know, fists and ends up like, that's enough. Like, that's all it took. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean... This situation, though, like the rage that he's feeling and how unwavering he is for his feelings of men, he's gone red at this point, you know, and he's thinking about men. Mm-hmm. This time that he spent in the box. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is believable. If I think about, <laughs> like, if I went through something like this, mm-hmm. I'd assume I'd feel similar. Like, especially if it was someone that I loved, someone that I deeply cared about, that I knew was tortured as well. Right. And I mean, yeah. look, they, they aligned with the wrong side. Totally. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not out here being like, yes, killing, fine. No, not that at all. But understandable, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other part about this chapter is like, we're getting ready for probably the most infamous battle in the Wheel of Time, I think. Like, I can't think of another moment that feels the same as the Dumais Wells battle. Yeah, absolutely. It's if you were to split the entire series into two acts, right? Part one, part two. Yeah. Dumais Wells, it's pretty much right smack in the middle. Mm-hmm. This would be the climax of part one. Yeah. Like, it really is. It's an excellent chapter. I know why people love it. That It's just so much adrenaline. But oh, God, yeah. there's also, you know, a heavy smattering of heartache and torture and sadness. And I know we've talked about this so many times. Like, this chapter is just... There's many ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, like that comes back to the fact that like the Dragon Reborn is a different entity to different groups of people. And like some people see him as human. Like Galena is surprised by the rage that Rand feels finding out that Min has been imprisoned which I feel like gives away the fact that she just doesn't see him as a human being. Like he wouldn't have emotions. Like he wouldn't flip the fuck out that somebody he loved. I see how he gets to that point. Like while he's where he is in the chapter that you chose. Like I feel like this is our beginning of where Rand is like whittling away at his own humanity. As the one I said, I think it's Arian, Ariel, something like that. She's green and the two warders that Rand killed were her warders and so Galena allows her to be the person to punish Rand for trying to break through the shield which of course he's going to try to do but while he's being beaten he like refuses to 
give her anything other than like a shudder. He doesn't cry. He doesn't scream out in pain. Like at one point he smiles at her just to piss her off. There's a lot going on in this. Yeah, it's there's so much. I was like, okay, where was I taking that? Because maybe it's just like the lack of humanity. And then, oh, how he's whittling away at his own humanity. So while he's being beaten, he has this like litany in his head, like this mantra of like never again. This is what happens when you trust an Aes Sedai. You can never, ever, ever trust an Aes Sedai again. He just repeats this over and over again in his head. It's all that keeps him from feeling the pain. And when the pain finally stops, he's almost unaware of it. He's gone numb. How could you not? And I'm, when, I, when I think about these moments, like these torture moments, I have to think about Robert Jordan's military background when he served in the military and the possibility of him having firsthand accounts of what it felt like to be tortured. I feel like he would probably be really aware of that. And he uses it really well to like a, a dark effect. Like it's not like, yay, torture. But like, wow, this feels so real, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think with this series, in comparison to some other fantasy series that I've read, it's interesting because I've read series that were written by people who are very much, you know, in the exact same age range. Right. Where one author didn't go to war. He was a, what is that called? Like conscientious, con- conscientious object- objector. Objector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they weren't in war, but the message behind their scenes that they write of war are mm. so incredibly similar in feel and tone and in message. Where Robert Jordan had that firsthand experience and you Mm -hmm. can tell like him looking back on it, it's not glorifying it. He's saying like, look, this is really, this messed people up. Big time. You see it in Rand how he reacts every time someone in his presence is killed, someone that he cares about, or even just one of the maidens. It sticks with him and it just shaves him down to this fraction of a human that he was like it really affects him i really like that about robert jordan's writings and i think in this chapter specifically Mm -hmm. it's so visceral and of course you get the people who are understandably hype about it because like rand's our guy right you're rooting for him so when he busts out of that box and just He's stilling Aes Sedai left and right and killing warders. And then you've got the Ashaman coming in and just <laughs> like mists of blood. Like the air is blood. It's yes. like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know. And the wolves. And the wolves. Like, can't forget about the wolves. This is one of those areas where like, like I'm getting goosebumps. Perrin has already made the choice that he's calling the wolves into this battle. He needs every resource he has, and he knows a lot of wolves are going to die. But he also knows that not a single one that finds out about it will turn down the chance to fight. And Jesus Christ, canines are terrifying. They are so strong. (laughs) Like, I would want, I would want (laughs) an army of wolves on my team too. 
You know what one of my favorite moments of this part of the books is? It's not even the battle itself. It's when the horses start to get spooked because Perrin, well, the horses and Perrin, they start hearing wolves howling and he's like, thousands. Like, <laughs> the amount of howls in the air is just like... It, it, it consumes like everything that's happening like in yeah. my brain that's the only thing I can think of and see and hear where I'm like oh my god that many yes that many like they yes. came like from the forest they came from over here <laughs> like the plains wolves the forest wolves they are the red all wolves, there all, yes. all the species have come together <laughs> running for days on end for this chance yep to free shadow killer and right? it's like uh. <laughs> because <laughs> he's so important <laughs> to everyone like that's like that's where this hit so hard is like there there's this part where parents thinking about like what their odds are and in his mind they have six Sedai to worry about and in reality it's like 33 and he knows like his forces are gonna be kind of on the small side but he's like when he asked Ruark for spears works like we can't take that many away like the shadow might come through and like wreak havoc yeah. here and Perrin is like worth it what is that compared to the loss of Rand the loss of the dragon reborn like right this who cares if Kyrian falls if the right Lord Dragon is dead right and I mean every Every human and creature that has sworn loyalty to Rand, but almost more importantly, who Rand represents, the dragon, shadow killer, the Koromor, the Karakar, and like all of the things that he is. Lord of the morning, all of the names. (laughs) (laughs) Like he has so many connecting things. And like, I feel... This is one of those places where my heart really breaks for Rand because when this is over, Rand isn't who he was. He will not become that person again for a very long time, which is why I'm like really excited about your chapter because like this is where Rand like hardens and just works so hard to distance well, yeah, himself. Well, yeah, you've. You've picked the the climax of Act One. I feel one, like I almost I've, cheated. <laughs> and I've pretty much picked the climax of Act Two in terms of the Rand story, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Not the general story, but the Rand story. And it's so like I'm so thankful, even though this is the Rand that comes out of the box and is the guy that we're like following for a while and we're kind of like cheering for him and also like really worried about him. I feel like Rand makes a really good protagonist because in moments he does feel so human. And it's something that I don't know if I realized fully until like I compared these two chapters directly. And I was like, wow. Like he even started to believe that he wasn't human anymore. He was trying so hard to just be the prophecy fulfilled without seeing the way that he did bring people together. It takes him a really long time to get past all of the death and the destruction to see the life and hope 
that brought so many people to his side. And that's like, that's one of the really heartbreaking things I feel like that happens at the end of Lord of Chaos is like, he's fixated on the wrong things and it's really detrimental to him. And I would say too, a little bit of that, maybe a a small fraction of the things playing into that. And after looking over the chapter that I've chosen and some of the ones kind of before and after it, Mm-hmm. Luz Theron, man, just, I don't really know if it's always, it's not so much like Luz and Rand as one, mm-hmm. as it is the taint on Sidene kind of corrupting mm-hmm. this whole two men becoming one. Mm-hmm. What Rand is thinking, if he's really believing what he's thinking is Luz Theron, or if it's him going mad. That aside, the things that he's getting from Luz there and some of the things that he's hearing in his own head are really Mm. contributing to Rand pushing people away and hardening himself and becoming what he thinks is unbreakable. But I want to ask you if there was anything else from your chapter that you wanted to touch on before we move into some of these later chapters. You know, I don't think I do. All right. I really have this attachment to the Veins of Gold chapter in The Gathering Storm. And before we dive into that, I kind of want to set the stage because going right into that chapter doesn't hit as hard without like taking a couple steps back and looking at the events leading up to it. Mm-hmm. If we go back to chapter 44, Rand's coming back from this meeting with the Borderlanders. And at this point in time, Lan is off in the blight. Nynaeve is trying to talk sense into Rand, being like, hey, look, Lan's going to die. Like, we need to do something. And Rand is saying things that are just so callous. Like, you know what? Who am I to deny him that? We all deserve that chance to find peace. And it is just like, oh, like going back and reading that, I'm like, oh, I forgot. I forgot that those were the things he was saying. And it hurts. It's so tragic, right? Rand is so mistrustful. He even runs into uh, Huron at one point and he (gasps) thinks it's a trap. So he's like holding Huron, like suspending him in the air. And this is like, it breaks me because the moment Huron shows up, he is so excited to see Rand. He's right? like, the Lord Dragon, the Lord Dragon, like it's you. I'm so, you know, he's overjoyed to see Rand and Rand is like holding him up in the air and making him answer these questions to prove that it's really him. Right. And Oof. Rand is completely, he's lost his way in so many different ways even and then if you move a little bit forward we've got rand totally willing to let land die in the blight yep then we get back to the stone of tear this whole failed meeting with the borderlanders has really just soured everything for him and he's walking in the stone of tear and thinking about how this this building, the stone that it was carved in is alien and it's not even human. And mm. he's like, yeah, that's like me. And he's thinking about himself like, 
wow, you know, like my shoulders were created to just bear the weight of humanity and prophecy and it's just crushing his soul. Yeah. I don't remember if it's Rand or Luz Theron, but they're talking about this, you know, duality, two hands, one hand to destroy and the other hand to save. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at his hands and he's missing one. And he's like, which one do I have? Is this hand that I have left the one to destroy or is it the one to save? Wow. And what I love about this Veins of Gold chapter is it really brings home the big thematic message of the entire story. You've got the side of the shadow, right? You have people like Ishamael who is saying, well, I guess Moradin, who's saying, look, you know, the, the wheel keeps turning, suffering keeps happening. Why should anyone live through this? And Rand at this point, he's gone to that same philosophy. Yeah. He's become what he's trying to fight against, right? This is how he sees the world. Then we get, oh my gosh, this is going to break me. Mm-hmm. But we get the moment I'm here in the stone here. <laughs> <laughs> Where Katsuin has brought in Tam. And obviously Tam is overjoyed to see his son. They're kind of, you know, reminiscing. And Tam's like, where's, you know, that wide-eyed boy, mm-hmm. where did he go? And Rand is just like, he's dead. Yeah. And they're talking about, like, well, how did you get here? What happened? And Rand learns that Cad Swain is the one that sent Tam. And this, he just loses it. He yeah. grabs hold of Sidine. He almost kills his own father. Yeah. And he's, like, thinking to himself, I'm doing it again. I'm a monster. And, you know, while he's holding Sidine, he blips a little gateway to Abu Dar and he's like that's it it's time all of these feelings that I have all of this rage all of the sadness all of the weight he decides in that moment he's just gonna go take out the Shan Chen and not only is he just gonna and I say take them out but he's ready to destroy all of Abu Dar with the one power he's got the access key to the Choden call at this point, his rage leaves him, and it's just, you know, pure loathing. And as he's walking this bridge in Abu Dhar, he's thinking about his tactics and how he's going to destroy this city. And as he's doing it, he's watching these innocent people just go along their day. Yeah. And he's thinking, like, you know, wow, like, they, they don't know what's coming, and as he's grabbing hold of Sidine and he's ready to just let it rip and destroy the city, the taint on Sidine manifests in him so hard that he he doubles over, he's laying on the ground, he's vomiting. Yeah. And as this is happening, these, you know, innocent passerbyers, like just these people going on their, you know, daily things and lives stop to see if he's okay. And mm-hmm. It kind of hits him in this moment, like I was about to kill these people, but here they are concerned for me. This is the moment where he blips again, and then Mm -hmm. he gets to, he's in a field somewhere, and then he's on Dragon Mount. Mm -hmm. And then this is like all of these things, all of this badness, sadness, gloom, doom, all of the things that he's feeling, he gets there. And he's like, why am I here? Why did I come here? And this is 
that moment where, you know, the two become one and Rand slash loose there and is like, because we made this. This is where we we died. Yeah. And he's thinking about all of these things, like what what it means to be the Dragon Reborn. Is he just mm-hmm. a symbol for the people? Is he a sacrifice? Is he just, you know, someone who is meant to sacrifice himself for the world? Is he the hand that destroys or is he the hand that's, you know, the protector? In typical Robert Jordan fashion, like this chapter gets very biblical. Mm. It is very, <laughs> yep, it is very like Old Testament. <laughs> like, you are not wrong. <laughs> and he's also questioning, you know, am I just this puppet trying to play the part over and over again? And he's yelling and screaming and thinking about how what if everything's just meaningless? And when I talked about the duality and what the theme of the overall story is and how Rand at one point is becoming more enlightened to the same philosophies that Morden and Shamael are thinking, yeah, he kind of goes back and forth with Luz Theron and he's like, why do we do this? Why do we live over and over again? Yep. And You know, like, it could be a little bit cliche, but Luce Theron is just, like, very direct and clear-headed, and he's like, it's so we can have a second chance, because Mm. every time that we're reborn, we get a second chance, and we get that opportunity to love people again. Yeah. As soon as that clicks into place for him, he's just like, holy shit, that's the answer. Like, that's Mm -hmm. it. To say that the Wheel of Time is a story about duality and balance, like, yeah, of course it is. Like, if you ask someone what the theme is, it's probably going to be somewhere along those lines. Yeah. But this moment in the story is pretty much the moment that makes it the theme. Up until this spot, you don't really get that distinct, Mm -hmm. like, ah, there it is. That's what I was waiting for. Mm -hmm. That's what I was looking for. And Rand finds it. The reader finds it. You get it. When you're thinking about this world and this landscape, I think about myself. And I probably would be (laughs) on Ishamayel's side where I'm like, this is whack. Like, I am sorry. I I did not sign up for this. (laughs) No, thank you. But especially if you're someone like Rand, like he Mm -hmm. just, what, gets spit out of the pattern over and over again to feel the crushing weight of sacrifice again and again. Yeah. And it's just awful. It is so terrible. And the thing about this moment where he's remembering the people that he's loved and he's remembering the moments where he's felt at peace and he's felt joy and he's felt hope and (laughs) it's very like ah like the enlightenment comes yeah and i love all of that for rand it's such a great moment for the story it's such Mm a epic moment and Mm -hmm. i think it's a really profound moment is it the most exciting and you know there's not that big like adrenaline junkie moment like Mm -hmm. the one that you picked but it is really profound and it really makes you think so, like, love this, love this chapter. 
But I think the thing that really just hits me hard is the next Rand chapter after this one. Because it is so cool. Like, it... Mm -hmm. Oh, like I love it so much. And that's you have to go to the next book. You have to go past the prologue and you have to get to chapter one. Mm-hmm. And that's when we meet Almond Bunt, the apple cart driver. <laughs> yes, yes. All yes. the way back from the eye of the world. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's him. <laughs> and Almond <laughs> Almond Bunt, he sees Rian and it's like, it's you. <laughs> It's so cute, though, and setting the scene, you know, he's out in his orchard with his, I want to say, sons. Mm-hmm. Yes. And everything's dead. Like, everything is dying. And he's thinking, like, well, I don't know much about orchards, but I think this is wrong. <laughs> I don't think an entire crop of apples is supposed to fall and rot overnight. Yeah. And then, Just a guess. Just a guess. Right? <laughs> When I think about this chapter, it oh, I mourn the loss of Almond Bunt. I do. I really do. I wish the show would have included him because mm-hmm. this moment is so good. Same with Hearn, though, too. Yeah. But we have this moment where Almond Bunt's standing there just thinking about his rotting crops. And then, like, he feels the sunlight on his face. Right. And... He's like, oh, you know, it, it's so nice and warm and comforting, and it reminds him of his wife's sourdough bread baking, and mm-hmm. everything's, like, all peaceful for a moment. And then he's smelling apple blossoms, mm-hmm. and he's like, wait, what? The, what? <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> within moments, all of the trees are blossoming. Yep. And these, like, dead apples are just disappearing, and Almond is like, I've gone mad. Like, I've lost it. What is happening? Yeah. And then we see Rand in, like, these ragged clothes walking down from the foothills of Dragon Mount. Right. And it's It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. He's even thinking, like, who would be coming from that direction? There's Mm -hmm. nothing there. Yeah. Just the mountain. And he looks... All the apples have, like, regenerated, like, immediately mm-hmm. in Rand's presence. And I think Rand is just like, hey, you, <laughs> gather those apples quick. As soon as I'm gone, my, my presence will hold it off for a time. But yeah, yeah. as soon as I'm gone, the Dark One's touch will make everything rot again. Yeah. And then, like, Almond goes running and he's yelling, you know. The whole village, pretty much, because nobody has any food at this point. Everything is rotting. And he's just like the town crier, like ringing the bell, yelling for everyone, (laughs) like, hey, everyone, now come quick. We've got to harvest these apples. And now, now we need to do it now. Hurry. It's such a fun chapter, Mm -hmm. but... No, it, it is. really embodies this like Rand is Jesus moment. Like there's something (laughs) more to him where he is... He's got this, now he has this whole like supernatural air. Yeah. He's like completely enlightened. He is two men who has become one. He's seen both sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. And it all really culminates to this moment. And this just sets him down his path to the point where we can get the end of the story, where we can get to that last battle. We can get to those final moments. And this is 
all the things that he learns in these few chapters that I've talked about, the Choden call versus Kalendor, all of it gives him the tools to walk into Tarman Gaiden and make the right decisions that he needs to make for things to end up okay. Absolutely. I feel like when he has his like big revelation moment, like it kind of comes down to love is everything, which is a really beautiful thought. And when you put it into action, the way that he approaches the last battle, his battle, like it's not it's not a battle the way that we normally would think of. It's very like kind of metaphysical. But that revelation for himself, this idea of love and hope and regeneration, that's what carries him through. And I think that this is such a beautiful point in his story. Who would want to be reborn over and over again like that? It's really sorrowful mm-hmm. thinking about Rand's plight mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what it means for him to be who he is. I can't imagine this going any other way for him where, yeah. you know, he's, like you said in the chapter that you're talking about, you know, Lord of Chaos era Rand, Queen DR Rand. It makes sense. It's hard to read, but it makes sense that yeah. he would go down that path. But to think about things on the other side, well, yeah, like maybe things could be okay if you're given this chance of, Mm -hmm. you know, the wheel spinning and time repeating itself, which again, another one of these big themes of the story, you know, it is the wheel of time and as cheesy as that sounds and as obvious as that is, right? it really is giving him a chance to reclaim a little bit of peace and joy in the mm. world that is so dark. He's got all of these memories of Luz Theron. So mm-hmm. he's thinking about, you know, Luz Theron killing his own wife. And it's, uh, it's a good little ending to this part of Rand's story. Or I guess maybe more of a beginning to this part of his story. I don't know. When I think about in terms of the TV show, it would be so tragic if we didn't make it that far if we didn't get to see veins of gold yeah i mean especially with yosha stradowski reading the entire series i can imagine he's you know like how it would be heartbreaking if he (laughs) just didn't get to this point in the story Mm -hmm. and i mean they are doing a really good job of setting up these themes that are coming out in these both of these chapters, they're doing a really good job of setting those up in the TV show. The way that Ishmael talks about it, the way that they did like the beginning of the f- the finale episode, they're doing a really good job of like getting us amped for that point and aware of it. And I think that that's kind of incredible because it is such a big part of the story. Like, there's a reason why it's called Wheel of Time. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense that they would bring in a lot of the ideology of Moradin to Ishamayel's story earlier on. Yeah. Hopefully they get here. Yeah. I was also thinking about with your with your chapter, with Lord of Chaos being the end of book six. Mm-hmm. So that's, like I said, right smack in the middle. Yeah. If Rafe Judkins gets his eight seasons like he wants, that should make Dumai's Wells the end of season four. Yeah. Which is wild. 
they have to get through so much. They have, they're just going to have to do so much cutting. Like, they're just going to have to be ruthless. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> to, like, I get mean, to the core of it and get to that point if that's the direction they take. If season three is mostly the shadow rising and they need to get to Dumai's Wells at the midway point. Yeah. That means the fires of heaven and Lord of Chaos will be, you know, really condensed. Mm -hmm. I do not envy them. <laughs> Neither do I. Like I like I sit and think about like writing papers and how many revisions I would go through and how it was like like I always kept a second doc open so I could like cut and paste things. I always called it like the cutting room floor. And like it was just in case. I got a chance to come back to it and put it back because I was like, that was really hard to take out. I really liked that. And I just, wow, so much sympathy and really honestly respect for people who work really hard to like condense something like this and make it quality because it's good. Like the source material is just so good, which we've said several yeah. times. Especially, I mean, just looking at Tracy and I trying to pick out what are, what are the best Rand moments for us. If you look at his entire story, it would be really hard to whittle down those choices. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you stand back and look at the entire series as a whole, what are those big moments that have to sh be shown? Yeah. It would be very, very difficult to decide. We've got eight seasons. We have to pick this many plot beats. And yeah. this is what we can show. Yeah. And what that means from a storytelling perspective is when they're only picking this many, that means the connections, like the, the point A to point B from this plot point to the next plot point, mm -hmm. it has to be reconstructed because it won't fit anymore. Every situation calls for changes when you're trying to pick and choose which moments go in. I understand some people being very upset by changes mm -hmm. in general, but I also understand that from a storytelling aspect, you can't make it the same yep. when you don't have the amount of time because you can't leapfrog from one plot point to the next and have it make sense without mm -hmm. changing right. the moments in between. You know, you said something in one of our recordings that I have totally taken to heart. And it's that you think about the TV series as a separate entity from the books, even though the, like with the source material being the books. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah, like it's it's not the same, you know, no, like, but like I really hadn't like I hadn't condensed that thought quite in in the way that like you had just like just I love it when you just drop the sentence and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> but that was it, how it I felt about it and like the, it doesn't have to be the same like it you can enjoy two different things yep. like it they're not you know I think it's so amazing to get to have this visual presentation of something that up until now has just been in everybody's heads and I honestly loved that there were differences that I was like eagerly awaiting the next episode even though I knew how the season was going to end like I think they're doing such a good job with 
the TV show. Like when I was reading these chapters, Yosha Stradowski is like now rant in my head in every situation. Like I can't help it. He did such a good job season two. Like so now like I'm seeing him crammed in this little teeny tiny chest. Like I'm seeing him sweating. I'm seeing him freaking the fuck out over men. But I'm also seeing him sitting very like tortured, like mentally tortured over what he has gone through. Like when you were talking about the chapter, one of the things that like kind of hit me is like this entire time, like leading up to him having his dragon mount moment, he's been trying not to feel pain. Like if he can just make himself hard enough, he won't feel pain. And he does the opposite. He harbors so much pain that it just like, funnels out in rage like what you were talking about with the Ibu Dar moment like but then that humanity like coming back that second chance I see Yosha doing that face acting for the whole thing and like I don't know it I think that the they've chosen really good people for the cast and I'm I'm really hoping that we get to these points I mean seriously do my as wells is screen gold if they somehow manage to fuck that up I will be so sad i think it's you know it's one of these situations where everybody wants uh why can't i think of it helms deep yes yes thank you rapunzel 347 everybody (laughs) i feel like i feel like the wheel of time fans we really deserve our helms deep yeah we do yeah we do it is going to be so hard to do it is going to be so expensive yeah, but I will sacrifice a lot of the fires <laughs> of heaven and a lot of Lord of Chaos mm-hmm. to get this moment. Visually, in my head, it not always can I envision what something looks like. Yeah, but shockingly, this moment I can. Yeah, and yeah. it's just honestly, I I feel like they should probably do it season four because season four hasn't been confirmed yet like we still don't have confirmation on it Mm -hmm. and i can't think of an episode of television that would be more incredible to see than this moment in terms of like you want the adrenaline okay Mm -hmm. we'll give it to you yeah yeah like how's this for you could we give you anything more there's magic there's wolves there's sword fighting there's emotional destruction like it's just it's so good it's so good like i feel as though like if they didn't go like if rough jade rough jenkins ha 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 if rafe <laughs> jenkins didn't go helm or didn't not helm steep oh my god it's he okay, to, like, it's okay. I, I am so excited but if he wasn't like do my as well as do my as well as this whole thing do you guys know what this would look like on screen? Like, the, the stuff leading up to it, that's really good, too. But this, you want to see this on screen. Everybody wants to see this on screen. I think they did a really good job wrapping up season two with what happened in fall. And that was just, like, one small-ish battle. So if they can pull that, I mean, it's chaos. It's chaos. Thinking about how to pull that together, it is chaos. Whew, I'm excited. Yeah. we. <laughs> In my opinion, Falma was quite a bit scaled back than I envisioned it. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I was okay with it. Like, yeah. the way that it was shot, I mm-hmm. generally enjoyed. When I think of Do My As Wells, I really hope that they're able to afford mm-hmm. this massive pitched battle similar. Like, I want, I want the scope of it to be similar to... Doesn't have to be like Helm's Deep. <laughs> we don't need like CGI millions of soldiers. It, that's okay. We don't need it to be that big. Mm-mm. But well, I mean, it's I, not that big. It's like, not. But I hope that it still has that air of large scale battle. Where in Falm, you had you know the two mm-hmm. <laughs> factions running on that balustrade, and that worked. Mm-hmm. in my opinion yes but when i think of dumai as well as i'm like okay we need that's a lot more extras that's a lot more people yeah. and i think the measure for how dumai as wells will look is mm-hmm. what we get in season three with the battle of the two rivers and i think after seeing that we can maybe get an idea of how the television series decides to envision you know mm-hmm. these bigger battles yeah in the words of in the words of loyal after he closes the way gate <laughs> thousands of trollocs thousands they're coming so oof that's exciting that's also not a bad place to wrap up if you don't have anything more to add i'm i am good i want to thank everybody who joined us Yay! today it was really nice to see some new faces agreed Keep an eye out. We will be doing this off and on. We do this every week for our patron members, but Mm -hmm. sometimes we open it up to everybody. And thanks so much for joining us. To the people listening when this comes out, happy 2024. Happy Year of the Dragon. Let us know if you had some other Rand favorite moments, maybe some of your favorite moments that you think would be really good fits for the mm. best of Randall Thor. Mm. Randall Thor's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. I feel like there are so many characters we could do greatest hits of. That would be really, really fun to do. Really yeah, fun. it would. We'll have to do. We'll have to start doing this for all of the characters. I think we might need to because this was super fun. I had a great time. Me too. Awesome. So with that, we will say good night. Happy New Year's. Thanks for listening. Thank and you. We will see you back next time. Bye.